the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Happy July 17 to you. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton, which means there must be a seminar this week. Tonight, in fact, how are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well. Looking forward to Las Gatos. It's been a while. Has it? Yeah. Toll House Hotel. Nice hotel. Oh, cookies. Good parking. That's true. It's underneath for those of you that are going. And they're going to circle the block like vultures. And good restaurant, too. So. Real close by. Yeah. So that's something like, um, <clears throat> I guess you get spoiled with in life, finding good restaurants. Um, Especially in the Bay Area. Tell me a little bit about the seminar tonight. What do we need to know? Well, 10 pillars. 10 pillars of retirement income planning. And there are some spots left if you're going to sign up there. Sign up quick, though. So, <laughs> t- you okay? <laughs> that was off air. Oh, okay. Here's what we talk about. So the 10 key things that people need to know about if they're going to go into retirement or if they're retired now, there's a lot of people who are out to retire without a plan. They think they hit their their goal of a million bucks in their 401k. Um, they okay. think they have a pension. They think it's going to be enough, and they kind of go through the first three years of retirement before they realize something's wrong. I feel a little bit that way, that it's tough to know that I have a plan or not have a plan. Yeah, I mean, you have to do some projections and update it the minimum once a year. Yeah, see, I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I feel like a toothpaste. Are you a money guy? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Um, but I know projections are a big part of financial planning. Um, so Michelle Lerman will be there. Why, why is she there? State planning attorney? Yeah, so gosh, there's so many changes. Um, people have these older trusts, and they might have done their living trust. In living trust, they create other trusts when the first person dies to help protect the credit of the first spouse. And what I mean is is that in the past, you only used to be able to pass on a million dollars to your heirs without any estate taxes. After that, you start paying estate taxes. And the first person that dies in the past, you used to have to put it there in a a married couple. And now same-sex couples that are married legally have to think about this as well. They used to have to put the money into a trust called a credit shelter or a bypass trust. And that's the only way you could protect that credit of the first person. Otherwise, that credit would be gone, and it would be 300000 300, plus mistake by not doing that. You don't have to do that anymore because that credit can pour it over to the spouse. You still may want to to protect from remarriage and losing family money, but you don't have to anymore. 
And so a lot of attorneys in the past used to write up these really complicated formulas in living trust on how much should go into this credit shelter bypass trust. I was reading one last week, and we were looking at it, and I had to read it a couple of times, but basically the way the formula worked was using the terms of the maximum federal credit. We, looked, we told the people that if, if you passed away right now, your, your kids would actually be cut out of the picture the way this formula works, and it would all go to your grandkids. That's how... Why are trusts so different? That doesn't seem like... <clears throat> to be boilerplate? Right. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, for like... You want to pass money on to your heirs. I want to pass mm-hmm. money on to my heirs. Don't want to screw the wife, the ex-wife, the new wife. I guess that's where it gets complicated. Yeah, it does. I mean, in the multifamily planning, um, generational planning, that's where it can get complicated. But the, the, sometimes you get so complicated where these attorneys write these trusts. And if you don't know what your trust says, you need to revise it. That's fair. I mean, if because you got to realize you're going to have a trustee that's trying to handle your estate. If you can't read it and know what the heck is supposed to happen... How are, how is somebody else that doesn't even know your assets? How are they supposed to know what to do? So they shouldn't be that complicated. Again, I feel like the lawyers are, are mucking it up, making the language too uh, complicated. Well, yeah. I mean, look at our tax code. There you go. Yesterday or the day before, I was on you know the one o'clock show. I was talking about all the different ages that people have to remember, and it's things like age seventy and one half. April first, following the the year you turn seventy and a half. So who keeps track of their half birthdays besides maybe if you're under 11 years old? <laughs> I celebrate it. So apparently the only people that keep track of their half birthdays are the IRS and if you're under 11 years old. Or <laughs> or you've got a really high demanding, high maintenance girlfriend. That's true. So yeah, just, 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 it's our month anniversary today. Hey, that's, what, that's where I'm getting at. <laughs> What'd you get me? Who else can you offend, Chad? Offend any girlfriends? Let's see. Let's, Let's see if we can't paint your stroke uh, as the Hitler of uh, morning radio. <laughs> you hate all. <laughs> I know that's a positive Hitler reference, right? Hating all is a good thing. Um, anyhow, and anyway, 800-516-1220. If anyone wants to ask Chad a question, it's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So i got CFP Chad Burton sitting with me. He does the show from 1 to 2 here on New Focus Financial. Um, new Focus on Wealth from 1 to 2 here every day, Monday through Friday at newfocusfinancial.com is where you can find them. Um, what do you got for me? We got Microsoft. Job announce, job cuts announcements did come this week. Yeah, there was a lot more than people were expecting. Yeah, 18,000, um, half of Nokia and roughly 5% of Microsoft is what it comes down to. So can't, can't use it corporate acts too aggressively. Um, but there's a situation where Everyone's totally in love with what's happening at Microsoft from a business standpoint. Uh, companies being run in a much leaner ship. Um, you know, Yahoo on the other side, everyone's like, ah, you've got this IPO coming of uh, Alibaba. You know, Alibaba. Mm-hmm. So uh, old tech's kind of working right now, which is kind of interesting. Intel, Cisco, Microsoft. Microsoft sitting at a 52-week high. Microsoft sitting at a 14-year high. Um, and it's all from firing people. Yeah. Yeah. The IBM looking for... Turnaround plays right now, and he can deal with Apple for business application software for the iPhones and iPads. I think that's going to be a good one for him. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's a win-win for everyone there. Microsoft, uh, IBM gets to sell more software, and Apple gets to sell more hardware into areas that they do not necessarily sell hardware into because there's a lot of software applications developed for it. Yeah, and just bringing that all around to the world of investing, there's a company we made a lot of money on called Accenture, kind of a smaller, leaner IBM in the past. 
And uh, at the time we bought them, it was a better value than IBM. IBM was kind of pushed to the upper limits and not really changing their business very much. And so we bought Accenture, and we did a nice run-up on it. But recently, several weeks ago, we sold Accenture and bought back IBM because this is a company that, you know, it's it's had a revenue decline, and it's very scary to buy a revenue de- a company that's got revenue declines, right? Sure. You got to see what are they doing to change their business. And IBM's been a company that's continued to reinvent themselves over and over again. And the other issue is that you know stocks that are trading at over 20 times earnings, if they come out with what a disappointing quarter, you're going to see a big you know drop in the share price. So things that are priced for perfection, if you have too much of that in your portfolio right now, it takes one bad headline out of Russia. You know, it takes one bad headline from Israel and the Gaza Strip and that involvement with Egypt, and that's when you get that 10% drop. What's interesting also about um, taking a look at IBM, Tim Cook um, used to work for IBM many, 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 many years ago. Yeah, I forgot about IBM. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's a com- that's two companies that you wouldn't have thought would play together. But it makes total sense because yeah. everything that Apple used to compete with them on, IBM's got out of that business. Mm-hmm. So... They're, they're different companies. One's a service company, one's a, a hardware company slash software company. And uh, Apple doesn't have the software to get into enterprises, so IBM will help them. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Big event coming up tonight in Los Gatos, July 17th. That's night the 10 Pillars of Retirement Planning. I will be there. Chad will be there from 6.30 to 9. You have to register at robblack.com. We're going to talk tax-efficient investing. We're going to talk about living your savings, Social Security benefits, and much, much more. You can sign up at robblack.com. I think we live in interesting times, to say the least. Look at our generations and how we consume things. Totally different. I was raised in an era where frozen food was okay. No, frozen food's kind of like the devil. Microwave is the devil. Microwave is very much the devil. So, um, with that being said, you know, um, the way we consume television as well is changing. And yesterday, 24th. First Century Fox has put in an unsolicited bid for Time Warner. Time Warner is much smaller, all things considered. Um, $80 billion deal, though. And if you look at the, you know, the list of properties that they would own, it's huge. But what's interesting to note about that, it's, it's very tough to say that those li- that list of properties is huge, is antitrust kind of huge. Because with media companies, let's face it, um, you start new every year, new ratings every 90 days, uh, movies, new production costs, new execution. So... Tough to say it's anti-competitive. With that being said, um, the whole idea of Rupert Murdoch and his empire taking over Time Warner is interesting because Time Warner is kind of a corporate-led business, whereas Fox is kind of a family-led business. And um, the corporation and taking care of the people and taking care of the shareholders is a little bit different when, you know, you're like, yeah, we're going to do the corporate-wise and not family-wise. And succession plans Mm -hmm. um, are all... Uh, very important. You, you know, that that's the idea of the corporation taking care of the shareholders and the people. It's it's a little bit of a conflict of interest sometimes. Right? But there's a succession plan, too. Murdoch's going to let his kids take over the business and 
That's like uh, Hugh Hefner letting his kid take over the business. Might not be the same company. Right. So, you know, has a kid worked up through the ranks or not? That's important. There's a whole um, who came out with the study today, too. That, that What's also interesting is only less than something like 30 or 40% of teenage kids have summer jobs now. Used to be five, ten years ago, 75%. That makes so sense. are our kids even going to know how to work? <laughs> you know, they can be book smart. Have you thought about that with your children? Have you thought like, would you want them to work at McDonald's, or would you be like, oh, yeah? I mean, you know, I had I've had three jobs, Rob. That's it. Okay. I was a busboy. Well, I'm sorry, four, because I was a, I had a paper route when I was nine years old. Weren't you a masseuse at the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> like somewhere in Hawaii, didn't they do like a, a Magnum kind of PI? That's right, Burton masseuse. Insult crimes in between. Deep tissue. Deep tissue. <laughs> That's the name of my show. <laughs> That's pretty awful. It's pretty bad. Speaking yeah. about awful, did you see Airbnb's uh, logo? No, no. I want. Oh yeah. Okay. That's so bad. you're not really allowed to talk about that. We'll do it. It looks like this. Chad. It looks like this. Who, who designed that? It looks like that. It looks like those. <laughs> like that's the worst possible logo ever. It is. It's. It's by far one of the worst. It's new logos ever. Oh. Let's just say this. It's overly suggestive multiple times over. And I don't know if I would have immediately gone to that in my head. I would have just think, like, oh, did somebody let their kid design their logo? Do you, have you been on Airbnb? Yeah. So yeah. have you booked any properties yet? Not on Airbnb. I've done um, Home Away. So okay. we're doing a destination wedding for my brother in Puerto Rico. Okay. And so we found a great house on uh, Home Away. Yeah. I've done Airbnb, and it's, it's a pretty cool product. So it's, um, there's ways of like, you know, again, if I were going to New York, if I were going to Portland and just wanted an apartment that's half the price of a hotel, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So it's going to catch on. I mean, it's great for people in the sales industry. So the first time I heard about it was years ago and a client that goes to Seattle all the time. Yeah. That's all he does. Airbnb. And what's nice is he kind of ends up at the same place most of the time. Right. So, and you know, if you travel a lot, you do kind of get sick of hotels. Oh, I know. The process, the scene, it's not fun after a while. So, Anyway, um, changing topics, i got CFP Chad Burton with me. He's going to be doing an event tonight with me, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, in the Los Gatos area, the Toll House Hotel, 630 to 9. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. He's going to go over like things like efficient investing, you know, tax-wise. Um, Social Security, do you maximize them or not maximize them? Um, that's not a simple answer. Um, and, again, I know people who are cruising towards retirement at this point in time, and they're just getting ready. The moment they can take Social Security, they're going to take it because they look at it as money. Yeah, and it, this is where the biggest mistake comes is when you have a married couple, and let's say the guy has been the brain, the, the, the brain, the primary sole bread owner, right? So you had a stay-at-home. Also known as the brain. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to stay at home with kids for two weeks straight without – Without uh, mom there, oh, man, that's a tough, tough job. Um, but so several situations where I've seen people and they're about to take Social Security. So husband says, you know, I'm not that healthy. I'm going to take it at 62 years old. I don't think the system's going to be around. And all sorts of reasons to take the money now at 62. But you have to realize part of the 10 pillars of retirement income planning is planning for your surviving spouse. And another one is maximizing Social Security and having those two work together. Because if he waits, even though, let's say he's only going to live till he's 75 years old, so he thinks, I, I'm not going to get much out of Social Security. If you wait until you're 70, it's about an 8% rate of return on your money. 
and even if you're going to live to only 75 years old, when you t- when you die, the smaller check goes away, and your spouse keeps the bigger check. So it's really important to maximize the bigger check if you're going to have somebody that's going to live to a ripe old age, because they're still going to continue to collect based on your earnings. Uh, there's a lot of tricks in Social Security, and the reason why it's so important now is because, I mean, we're still looking at about a 40% decline in what interest you, on bonds and CDs. What if you were one of those people that you just don't care? Like, um, I know people who are, again, the moment they can take Social Security, they look at it as money. Yeah. And they're not even thinking about, like, what what will it be at 85? They care for what's going to be today. You know, it's funny because I, I rarely meet those type of people. The type of people that don't huh. care okay. tend to not spend their money either. It's almost like they, they like to see this asset grow. And so... It's interesting. I think if you don't care, you're not enjoying a lot of life. Um, and you're, I don't know, it's odd, Rob. It, it, I've, I've seen a couple, but most of the time, people that, you know, they, they might not have any kids. They don't care where their money goes after they die. You'd think those type of people would spend it and bounce the last check right the day they die. But they tend to just kind of hole up and become misers. It's a big event tonight in Palo Alto. Not in Palo Alto. What is it? I think Los Gatos. That's a bit of a hike. That's when you want to be, make sure you beat traffic a little early. Yeah. Um, so that's Los Gatos, California, and every night that road's that way. Thursday, July 17th, 639. Um, talking about income in retirement, it's something that you're not just going to have cash and pay yourself. It's not going to be a check that comes out of your 401k. you got to figure out how that money comes out of your 401k, what you put into your 401k, what, what that retirement vehicle looks like as it's generating income. Is it all REITs? Is it all dividend achievers? Is it bonds? Is it bond funds? Is it ETFs? Or maybe it's a combination. Um, I'm guessing it should be a combination. Well, it's a combination and then even some bond alternatives because, you know, if you would have asked almost any money manager in December of 2013 if they thought rates would be higher, they were calling for 3 3.5% rates by the end of 2014. And then rates dropped for a full quarter in the first part of this year. And bonds went up. Bonds, especially international currency hedge bonds, have been great investments the first part of this year. But still, it costs 20% more to retire because rates are so low right now. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Coming up, I think I got Chris Yachia from thestreet.com talking a little tech. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. You're in me trying to force a theme song on someone. Chris Ciacci of thestreet.com joins us now. I got business time for an economist as far as songs go. Chris, can I, can I push you into the Mr. Mr. Roboto world of technology because you always seem to have the tech stories for us? Sure, I'm open to that, Rob. Mr. Roboto, it is, but unless you come up with something better. <laughs> With that said, uh, you recently have been writing a lot and researching a lot about Yahoo, and uh, the quarter wasn't the most impressive one, was it? No, the core business really continues to struggle, and this quarter uh, seems to be worse than previous ones. The advertising and display business was really the, the drag for Yahoo. Um, their search business, which most people would be surprised to, to know that Yahoo is still a search engine, is actually performing a little bit better than expected. But 
where they're making the majority of their money and where Marissa Meyer has focused most of her efforts is on the advertising and display business, and that's just a nightmare right now. Is this a situation where her honeymoon with the stock and shareholders is starting to come to an end? Because no doubt about it, since Marissa Mayer has been there, the stock's done great. But we're starting to say, how's the business doing? I would argue that the honeymoon probably ended towards the latter part of last year. Um, I, I think that the majority of the upside is related to, you know, the Alibaba IPO, and we've started we started to see that train go in motion. I would expect Alibaba to go public probably sometime towards the middle of next month. So the market being six months out, you know, in terms of being forward-looking, I would say that the honeymoon probably started to end towards the latter part of last year, and they're really starting to look to see what Marissa and her team can do to, to transform Yahoo from just being this staid place where people go to get their news or finance or sports or what have you, but none of that really generates any kind of meaning, meaningful revenue growth, and that's what she's been working on for the past two years, so really to no success. Speaking with Chris Siachi at TheStreet.com, Chris, do you think that Yahoo, and this is, I guess, just an opinion question, do you think that Yahoo will ever be able to make it? Because in the world of Facebook and Twitter and Google, it seems like other people create the content that's a lot cheaper than, you know, what, you know, Yahoo's doing and going and paying people to create the content, the Katie Kirks of the world, per se. Do you think they're going to be able to make it? I do, but I don't think they're ever going to be as big in terms of advertising revenue as a Google or a Facebook are. Okay. Just advertising dollars have continued to shift away from Yahoo uh, for the past few years, and it's really, really tough to get that back. That's not to say that Marissa doesn't have ideas. Um, she's gone out and she's she's acquired content. You know, she's gone out and, and uh, signed Katie Kirk, like you said. She's bringing the show community back to Yahoo, where it had been canceled at NBC. She has a deal to uh, live stream concerts every day for the next 365 days. So she's got ideas that are working. Plus, you know, the Tumblr acquisition really hasn't started to generate any kind of meaningful revenue yet. So she definitely has ideas, but it's basically like throwing darts at a dartboard and kind of hoping one sticks, and if one or two stick, how big are those really going to be, you know, on a company that's still generating, you know, between 4 and $4.5 billion in revenue a year. I don't think it's ever going to really meaningfully break the buck for Yahoo. It's interesting to note that one of the best things Yahoo's done in the last few years is buy back. 400 million shares. I think they've gone from about uh, 1.4 billion shares down to 1 billion shares. So they seem poised for a takeoff if, you know, Marissa Mayer can put together the right revenue packages. Um, they seem to be poised because they they're pretty lean, they're pretty mean. Um, anything else that we need to know about the Yahoo story, Chris? Just that investors really need to focus on um, the aspect of what the core business is doing Investors are really starting to get frustrated with Marissa Meyer, and you saw that yesterday with the share price decline of about 5%, maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, they're starting to get frustrated, and they're starting to wonder whether she was, she is the right person to lead the core business because anybody can be handed a stake in a company that's going to be worth $150 billion and then spend some of that money trying to, to do, uh, trying to turn around the company, but it needs a real leader to actually turn the company around as opposed to just trying 
to do so, and, and it remains to be seen whether Marissa is the right person or not. You know that at her Christmas party, she turns her backyard into an ice arena. Yeah, it seems that Marissa is more focused on what Marissa wants to do than actually um, focusing on the betterment of the company. But, you know, I mean, I, I do give her credit. She, she is trying. Um, she's gone out and made somewhere in the neighborhood of around between 30 and 40 small acquisitions. Some of them are starting to pay off. We've seen some things. Um, Sumley is, is kind of, you know, integral in um, some, their plans for news. Jive is important. So she's aviate is important to, to search. So some of these smaller acquisitions are, are working out, but she does kind of seem to put the focus or the the focus on the spotlight on her most of the time. Thanks very much. That is Chris Siaccia, the street.com. You can find him at the street.com, Chris Siaccia. He joined us on a pretty regular basis, Thursday mornings at 7.30. CFP Chad Burton, any thoughts on Yahoo and, like, that kind of idea of the story CEO? And there's a couple of them, like Alan Mulally was a story CEO when he went from Boeing Ford. And joining the board of uh, Google now. Yeah, Google It's a car expert as well as an aviation expert from his Boeing days. I mean, that tells you exactly where, you know, Google wants to make the headway into these. So far, they haven't done it, though. Driverless cars. Someday. Uh, I saw. I would love one. I mean, I would love to have a driverless car. I, I, you know, I'm good at a lot of things, but I would say driving is something that I'm good at. I've never been told, hey, Chad, you're a great driver. I typically don't believe in God to, like, step into the automobile with you. <laughs> Your hand's constantly on that handle up at the top, just gripping. Yeah. Careful what you say here. <laughs> so, careful what you say. So, well, I bring that up because Hatchin Nadella uh, from Microsoft CEO, he, he basically grilled, he, he laughed at Google the other day, you know, saying, yeah, they got all these great concepts, but where's the money being made? And he's kind of right. Like, Google's still a search company, for better or for worse. Google's still bread and butter of search. Nice to have that much money to be able to play in all these different areas, though, right? And figure it out. And if they do figure it out, again, I've, you know, when I think of um, driverless cars, I think of, Number one killer of kids, cars, goes away, mm-hmm. of teenagers, you know, texting. Uh, I saw an insurance company the other day that now will put a device in your car to disable texting while, while your kids drive. So you get a discount. I've been waiting car. for that to come out. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's, it, I, I, I bet it would be mandatory in a few years if we don't get the driverless cars. And, you know, it's, it's, it is scary because you, I was backing up the other day and I have a backup camera with a, beeping alarm, yeah. and some kid, you know, flew by on his bike as my car was moving. That's like a nightmare for a parent. It's a nightmare for a dude with money. <laughs> it makes you think. Yeah, really. Umbrella insurance big time, right? Yeah, and, you know, speaking of that, I was I was reading an article on multiple reasons why you carry umbrella insurance. Okay. One, this, so these two kids, these two teenage kids took parents' kayak out. The, the, the kayak capsized, water was cold, they, they held on for a while, they decided to swim to shore. One kid made it, the other kid drowned. Parents were sued for not supervising their child with their kayak um, for, you know, a million dollars. And luckily they had the umbrella insurance, but if they didn't, people are suing for everything. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So there's been lawsuits for parties at home. You know, oh. you leave, your kids have a party. Like, you know, everybody's done when they were a teenager. They went to some house party. Uh, kid got drunk, fell, broke an arm. Yeah. Parents get sued on supervision. Not supervising the child. So maybe you should do this. 
Tell your kids that, you know, if you're going to have a party while I'm gone, make sure you get waivers signed at the door. <laughs> like, at least, at least if you're, like, like, like your kid, if, if you're going to go out and have sex, at least get protected. If you're going to have people at the house, at least make them sign a waiver. It's like the bad parenting 101, but it's kind of works. 14-year-old signing a waiver. Your kids are pretty financially savvy already. So I would think that your kids would know, like, uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna have a jumpy house, like no 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 no. So like, <laughs> your kids have to pick some rub some of this off for me, all right? Yeah, the, the thing is that yeah, whatever you're gonna do with a you know 14 to 18 year old to have them create some sort of a waiver, they might be smart enough to think about that, but they might not know that that's not gonna hold up in court at all. Yeah. <laughs> you have a paper trail of all the kids that showed up to this party. Sometimes sometimes it's enough to shut other people down. Though. Like, you don't have the sophisticated family who's trying to see you, and you just, look at the waiver. Yeah, yeah. Your kids signed it. Go away. Another one was in this article is, you know those communities, especially in uh, Arizona, where they have everybody drives around in golf carts? Yeah. Oh, this is going to be good. Souped-up golf cart, right? Yeah. So two girls driving the golf cart, 16 years old. She takes a corner really fast. The other kid flies out, head injury, brain trauma. Wonderful. Lawsuit to the parents. So, like, it's – and then those parents get sued for not supervising the kid, but, you know, where's the – Where were they Where's the – yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's a pretty unfair system. Anyway, big event tonight, and you can uh, learn more fascinating stories like these, I'm sure. CFP Chad Burton is going to be running the event. I'm going to be basically hosting it on some levels. I'm going to be going over some dividend-achieving stocks, things along those lines, the 10 pillars of retirement planning. Um, come meet me. Come meet CFP Chad Burton tonight. Thursday, 6.30 to 9, Santa Cruz in uh, Avenue. It's Whole House Hotel in Los Gatos. Los Gatos, lovely place. I'm still looking for dinner plans. Should we do dinner tonight, you and I? Or are you too busy for me? Um, I'll be there. I got a I got a meeting right in the area at 3 o'clock. There you go. Um, I, did, you hear, did anyone hear that he said, didn't say yes? Uh, <laughs> I asked about on dinner date. He just, I'll be there. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was like 6.30. Are we 70? Do we eat dinner at 5? I do. <laughs> With that said, you can find and sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Rob Black has a financial... Well, you're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, more. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, during the commercial break, I said, what are we going to talk about? And he said, Israel. I didn't really see that one coming. Uh, are you talking about military sanctions? Are you talking about oil? I just think it's this, this whole thing with Hamas and Israel right now, which is a total disaster. It's horrible to think that this continues to go on year after year after year. But it seems like it's more of an issue of Hamas against Egypt. As a former president of Egypt before we, you know, got booted out and it was the Muslim Brotherhood and everything else was on, was basically kind of an ally of Hamas. And now the new leader of Egypt hates Hamas as much as Israel does. And so Egypt isn't paying attention to Hamas. So it's kind of like a really odd way to protest that. 
listen to you in your foreign well, event. No, I, I learned about this yesterday, and it was is it it's interesting. Were you, were you just, stuck at a bar watching NPR? <laughs> no. NPR, I, see, I'm used to, I've, I've known you on radio for how many years now? 17, 16, 17 oh, years? Oh, yeah. And how fast you talk? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we get along so well is because I talk really fast as well. I can't listen to slow talkers. Janet Yellen melts my brain. I cannot listen to her. I have to read the transcripts now. She's so painful to listen to. I can't handle it. Okay, so what's this all have to do? Israel had to, like, you're all worldly on me all of a sudden. No, I mean, people, you know, get worried. In the summertime, you get lack of news. That's fair. People go on vacation, so there's not a lot of, um, you know, market-driven action. It's all headline-driven action. So once we get past this earnings report... You know, we get to that summer doldrums for August and September. And uh, so a lot of these headlines that you'll see will affect the market in the short term. Now, so far, it's been interesting because any, any team, time we've had a, you know, Russian sanction, um, bombs flying in the Gaza Strip, you've seen buying on dip. How long is that going to happen? You know, how long is that going to happen? And I think the next shakeout, Rob, is going to be all these investors that have invested in stocks for income. Okay. That's the only time I'm worried about. Rates rising slowly over time is a good thing for stock market because it shows that the economy is improving and the Fed can exit their, you know, fake stimulus, whatever they want to call it now. I just recently read an article, and um, I wrote about it in the newsletter that I sent out, um, about how many people who still aren't even in the stock market. In the last couple of years, they've just been putting money into bonds, and it makes no sense at all. Who are these people putting money into bonds? Um, it's just it, people are still scared. Is what it, it was the the bottom line of the story. I think. Well, the, the reason why people are putting in money into bonds, and you look at just the bond returns this year so far, especially some of the high yield stuff over six percent rates of return, already year to date. So they're actually matching the stock market. A lot of people don't listen to us. You know, they're they're just looking at the one in three year returns on their mutual funds and their four hundred one k, and they think, oh, I'm I'm over fifty, I better buy bonds. They're not even they don't even know they don't even know what's going on in the market. And um, so there's two types of people. The two people that oh, sell all your bonds and go away, they missed out on a good return because actually rates dropped the first quarter of the year. Yeah. And during the first quarter of the year, there, because of all that money flowing out of emerging markets, there's a big opportunity in international bonds, especially bond funds that were currency hedged, that created a great opportunity. So the opportunities are out there. The problem is, is I'm getting emails now, Rob, of, hey, um, I'm thinking about selling my Ginny Mays and investing in um, – uh, utility ETF instead as a bond alternative. Okay. Stocks are not bond alternatives. They're not. So what I did is I wrote back you to this. a little drinky drinky. <laughs> I wrote back to this person. I said, look, this, you're comparing apples to oranges. You can't just look at the yield on something and say it's a bond alternative because the, the, the utility ETF that he was looking at in sure. 2008 was down 40%. While Ginny Mays at that same period of time from October 2007 to March 2009 was up 6%, was returned, total return of 6% versus a negative 40% rate of return. So, and that's the problem is people that have gone to invest in stocks for income as a bond alternative, if you can weather the storm and deal with the, you know, the next correction that you have, yeah. which could be caused by increasing interest rates in that type of an area, then go for it if you can hold on through that. But the problem is most of these people are in their 60s, and they're going to push the panic sell button really quickly, and that's going to turn a 10% correction into a 20% correction. So when people call you and say, can you move some of my assets from JMAs into a utility fund, do you go like, 
Well, you can stand a 40% correction, Mr. Smarty Man. I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want. I'll Sure, I'll do it, but sure. I'll do it. Go ahead. Go ahead, guys. Do it. Yeah, do you ever, like, get, like, like yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to be dumb. You ever get, well, there's some of that that comes in the business. Like, you almost have to stop people from being their worst enemy. Yeah, you do. And so you look at, if you look at a portfolio that's all stocks yep. and, and see the return that you've had in the last couple of years, people are now, am I being aggressive enough? And am I being aggressive yeah. enough? And so you have to go back in time and say, okay, here's two portfolios. One's 60-40, one's 100% stocks. Now, in 2008, one was down 38%, the other one was down maybe 18 Yep. And, but the 10-year average return might only be less than 1% difference over a 10-year period. So a balanced investor gets paid over time because the drops are smaller. And so when you're going through a five-year run-up from the bottom, you know, people start to compare a balanced portfolio to a stock portfolio. And they think about it. They don't, they don't remember that 2008 is no longer showing up on the five-year average returns anymore. So people are starting to forget about risk and take too much risk. Now, if you take too much risk and you know and you're educated on what happens when the stock market declines, you'll probably be rewarded over a 10, 15, 20-year period. But if you take too much risk and then you panic because of a 10% little tiny market drop, yeah. you're going to get creamed and you're never going to recover. Bull markets seem to be very slow and steady. and They work over four to eight years. Bear markets are just voraciously tough, mm-hmm. and you know it could be 18 months where it was 40 percent. But then again, five, six, seven, eight years from now, it's buying opportunity. Yeah, buying opportunity for a lifetime. Yeah, you know, I was talking about on the show. You know, do a. How do you prepare for the next correction? Create a shopping list, not a sell list, a shopping list. Tonight, TFP Chad Burton and myself will be in Los Gatos, California, the Toll House Hotel, a hotel made out of real cookie dough. You can come learn about the 10 pillars of retirement income planning. We're going to go over a lot of tax efficiencies. We're going to go over portfolios. I'm going to go over dividend stocks that I own, dividend stocks that we help screen uh, some of the criteria to you know, figure out which ones you want. You can sign up for the event tonight, 639 at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Sometimes we're talking about a new focus on wealth, and wealth is a funny thing, Mr. Chad Burton, sitting in with me, CFP Chad Burton. Um, one of the things that I've always loved about the, the simplest concepts of money and investing in stocks is you buy 100 shares of AT&T, and you get 4 to 5% of a dividend yield, so $100 becomes $104, so it makes money. Your money makes money, and then that money next year will make money. So it's, that's how you're wealthy, having you know, alternative assets other than your job for your income, creating sources of income for you. Yeah, knowing what you're, you're getting paid for your assets, too. So, I mean, yeah, you're talking about dividend reinvestments, which is great when you're younger. Um, some brokerage firms you have to realize, too, because a lot of people are buying ETFs. And uh, when you buy an ETF, there's most brokerage firms, when you buy it, you have the option to click a button and say reinvest the dividends. Okay. Um, TD Ameritrade is one where you actually have to call. Say, I bought an ETF. I want the dividends reinvested. I've been bugging them to fix that. Um, but that's important. Now, when you're retired, you don't reinvest the dividends because you have to have you have to think of your portfolio in a couple of different pieces. You have a, a a dividend stock piece, which is companies that, in good economies or bad economies, continue to raise their dividend and their income to you. You've got a balanced portfolio, some fixed income, some fixed income alternatives. 
and then you've got cash, and you have to feed your cash. You need to turn on the tap instead of reinvesting those dividends in your mutual funds, ETFs, and everything else. Send it to your cash account where you're going to spend it. And you try to set up your portfolio so that your cash can last five to seven years without having to sell your portfolio in a down market or a market that still has not recovered. And this has worked. I've been preaching this for, long, again, 16 years on radio with you. Long time. And, you know, you've known me. I've been talking about this since we first started together. And it's worked in two major corrections where people, if they, they had the plan in place, they didn't have to sell. Because, you know, the market was down 38% in 2008. Most people retire at 65, they're drawing 4 or 5% of their portfolio. So if it was dropped down 38% in 2008, and then you pulled out 5% of your original value, which was nearly 10% of the value of the portfolio at the time, yep. you're still not recovered. But if you had cash on the sidelines and you were living off your dividends and interest and dipping into your cash while the market recovered, you're ahead of the game. And you're in good shape. But if you went into retirement without a plan and then you got hit with 2008 and nine you're probably not going to recover. And so you got to go back to the drawing board and say, can I sustain this income that I'm taking out of my portfolio? What do I do for bond alternatives? Um, retirement is much more complicated now than it was, you know, even when I got into the business. You got an email recently, and people can meet you tonight at Falas Hotel, Los Gatos, where we talk about income and retirement, income and retirement. Um, you can learn more about the event at robblack.com or go to New Focus Financial. Actually, that's a better idea. Go to newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. And Chad actually has a downloadable tied towards the event, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income. If you kind of want to have an insight into what it's all going to be about, I'm going to go over dividend paying stocks and some of the ideas that I look for when picking them. But got an email from Christine. It says, love the uh, updates. I hold Amazon. I like it. But how is that drone thing going to work? Won't thugs be ready with BB guns or dogs ready to dash off and drag it off? Or maybe it'll hit someone in the head or something. I just can't quite figure it out, though I know they've presented it via FAA. Uh, will they be tracked or flown remotely by air traffic control? Yikes. I don't know how this is going to work. Christine. Uh, it's, oh, wait, wait, before you say anything? Yeah. I love emails like this. <laughs> it's starting to predict the worst case example of something that's not even happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's. I mean, it's it's obvious. I mean, every drone is going to be uh, armed with a Star Wars Star Trek phaser set to stun. So anybody that tries to steal stuff, it's you know, dogs will be lying on the side of the road and crooks will be lying on the side of the road, but they'll wake up like 15 minutes later. It's safe. <laughs> what were you? What was your flight like yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> it was a red eye and there's no sleep. Yeah, you know what it comes down to is. You know, she holds shares of Amazon, and she thinks, to me, this is just kind of the ramblings of a derelict lunatic. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of like predicting the worst case scenario for the company that's probably not going to go away from trucks for the next 5, 10, 15 years. Um, Amazon probably has a bigger future in, you know, um, cars that drive themselves kind of thing mm -hmm. um, versus uh, drones at this point in time. And Amazon has not presented to the FAA any you know, hardcore plans on what they want as far as delivery drones go. You know, anytime we talk about driverless cars and robots and drones dropping things off, I think of that Will Smith movie, it was an iRobot, where all the robots got too smart and attacked him. I don't know why. Every time my brain goes right there. Really? Eventually the machines will take over. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's, I think Bezos is one of the investors, too. There's there's companies that are, you know, operating on mining assets, uh, Asteroids? Not asteroids. Um, one of the other things that circle the planet. Meteors. Meteors. Not meteors. Mining meteors. No, not mining. Meteors are moving too fast. No, not comets. Um, it has to be asteroids. Is it 
asteroids? Yeah, it can't be meteors. Meteors are go too fast. No, no, they're circling the Earth. Anyways, they might satellites. <laughs> Mining satellites. Uh, angels. I don't know. <laughs> what else circles? Oh, I'll, I'll the rings of, of Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> he just said rings of Uranus. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, it's rings of Saturn. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there goes the show. <laughs> Any money questions, get your calls with air, 800-516-1220. Let's 800-516-1220. Let's, let's get back on track. Listen to you going money in, issues. Listen to you going into a <laughs> radio voice. So tonight, what are you going to be talking about at the event? Why should people come throw down $5 and see CFP Chad Burton talk? Um, oh, probably, probably, probably just for the wine and cheese. That runs out pretty fast. <laughs> I like to keep people awake during the 6.30 p.m. event. Too much wine and pass right out of the table. Do you remember the time we did it at Berkman? We had way too much wine. And people were drunk. <laughs> it was like that was... I think that was the Claremont one. You were too loud. Yeah, it was, it was Berkeley, the, the hotel up there. Is that the Claremont? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, people were like sleeping, <laughs> laying down and like just... I, some, sometimes these events are pretty funny because Californians are a unique eclectic bunch, to say the least. Yeah, I, that's for sure. You know, and, and speaking of, there's in the areas where you leave a lot of money to kids and they become kind of these, you know, crazy hippie trust babies <laughs> that yeah. we've all seen before. Um, there's been a couple of issues that, that people that are dealing with family money or leaving money to your kids and if you think about it and you add up all of your life insurance, the value of your home and your re- retirement assets, and leaving that money to kids, and you know, kids aren't working as young as they used to be, they're not getting jobs right out of college like they used to, high unemployment rates, leaving a large amount of money can really take away kids' ambitions. So one of the things we talk about is one of the problems that a rising stock market, a rising real estate is created is spoiling kids. So how do you leave money to not spoil them? Um, and it's also important because there's been a couple of significant changes lately in family law yeah. um, and in litigation where two things. There's been cases recently where usually if, you've, if you have money in a trust, like your parents left you money in a trust and you get divorced, mm-hmm. that money isn't counted towards your, your spousal support and things like that. It's safe. It's protected. That's not the case anymore. Um, certain types of trusts are counting towards the spousal support, even though the spouse had nothing to do with it in terms of not their family money usually keeping inheritance separate in separate accounts and separate property. So changing the type of language that's in the trust that you're leaving for your kid to be a fully discretionary trust, um, really important. And also inherited IRAs used to be protected from lawsuit. That's not the case anymore. So a lot of changes in that area and how you leave money. Big event tonight in Los Gatos. You can sign up at robblack.com at 6.30 to 9. Come meet CFP by Chad Burton and myself. Take a break here. Sign up at robblack.com. Success of New Focus Financial. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Elaine still blocked in Chapel. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm not black. Talking about the financial money, investing more. 
Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. CFP Chad Burton in town, going to be speaking tonight at the wealth event tied towards income and retirement. Income and retirement, obviously, you work from age 20 to 60, roughly. You decide to take Social Security at some point in time, roughly, and uh, kind of manage your assets and your Social Security to give you that income. Uh, how much money would you say is needed to replace about $60,000 of income? Because let's just say the average American makes fifty-five, fifty-six thousand, I think it is, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So to replace that, which, you know, is that the right number to work with? Well, so that, and that's the problem because people think about their income right now to replace that, or they look at their expenses and think they need to draw that from their portfolio. You have to work backwards. You have to say, okay, what am I – costs on top of that. What's my Medicare Part B at 105 a month or more if you're a high-income earner? They, they penalize you for being a high-income earner. Um, what about what are you going to sell? You have a stock portfolio that has low basis, high basis. Most of your assets coming from an IRA, which has not been taxed. You've got to figure out all of your expenses on top of what you're currently spending. Add in the taxes, which means you actually have to project where you're going to be pulling your money out of. That affects your taxes. And your taxes change drastically when you hit 70 and a half and you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs and 401ks, even if you don't need it. And then you get the true number. So calculating that true number is the biggest issue because figuring out what that number is, it drives your overall asset allocation. Knowing what you're going to draw from your portfolio each and every year, you need three times that amount in safe money and then the rest in a balanced portfolio. And, uh, and the problem is, is we're looking at the 10-year treasury today. You have a day where you know, you got Russia-Ukraine situation acting up again. So people are buying the 10-year bond. Rates are back down at 2.5% today. So bonds up, rates down, because people are piling into that area. We've had this kind of a, an odd scenario where stocks and bonds have moved up quite a bit in tandem. But people forget, they've, gone, they've forgotten now over the last five years that when there's a scary event and the market corrects, people tend to go into bonds. That didn't really happen too much in the first part of the correction in 2008 with the credit crisis. Everything got thrown out the window. So you, you need those other assets. But if you're looking at the 10-year treasury, adding, you know, earning, paying you 2.5%, that is less than half of where it was in 2008 and 9. I'm sorry, 2005 and 2006, before the credit crisis. So that idea of pulling 5% of your portfolio, typically you can say, okay, I need, a, I need 60 grand a year, divide that by 0.05 or 5%, and that's the nest egg that you need, right? It's not that simple anymore because bonds are so low. So what are we doing in the next 10 years is going to be different from 10 years from now. Tonight, tonight at David in Los Gatos, will you talk about some, like we show what an income portfolio looks like, or is that giving away too much information that can hurt people? Yeah, I mean, I break it down in a couple of different pieces. I have... Uh, a dividend achiever portfolio, which those are dividend-paying stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend by 10% a year, a balanced portfolio, a bond alternative, um, and uh, and one more, too, that's tough to picture, But um, and then how that feeds your safe money account, and then how you rebalance that. That's the toughest thing is because rebalancing means selling, and selling is the most difficult part of investing. Okay. People just don't do it. They have too much emotion involved. And, I mean, now is a perfect time if you're, you know, take some chips off the table. People are letting their portfolios now get way out of whack. They started off with, okay, I want it 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. Well, over the last five years, that's probably more like 75 or 80% in stocks, 20% in bonds. 
and they haven't done any rebalancing. And those are the same people that panic the most when the, the correction comes. And corrections don't really concern me. A 10% correction, I'd love to see a nice 10, 15% correction in small cap and small cap value. Right now I'm underweight in small cap because they look expensive. Their, their valuations are stretched to the point of where they were in 2007. But if we keep adding jobs and the economy picks up, do you feel like it's still a valuation game? It has to do with revenue, right? So far we have a lot of bottom line increase and we have a lot of push-up in small cap stocks because of the M&A action. Um, but they, it still all comes back down to valuations. You know, people are only willing to pay for 20 times to 40 times earnings for a stock that's growing revenue at 10 to 12%. So, long. so as soon as they come out with a decline in revenue growth, you get hammered, and that's when people get shook out. So um, you have to have – in the longer run, value investors that invest in higher quality companies at a point in time where they're being – they're on sale – they get rewarded. They don't. It feels like you're behind the game in a in a really rallied you know bull market that's gone way up. But when the market does have a correction, it falls less, so you get rewarded over a five and ten year period. And that's what investing is all about. It's about five to ten years and managing your risk versus what you're returning in the last six months versus the S and P 500. So changing topics ever so slightly, if people want to learn more about income, they can certainly come out tonight. If they want to learn more about the pillars of retirement uh, planning. You can go to newfocusfinancial.com. Chad has like a two-piecer downloadable thing that you can grab on, you know, ideas for income and retirement called the 10 Pillars of Retirement Investing. Tonight we're going to be at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, California, 630 to 9. There's about 10 seats left, and then it's booked and it'll close up. So hopefully you sign up sooner rather than later. Um, Again, we can always accommodate a couple more. So if you uh, do want to sign up, uh, go to Rob at robblack.com or chat at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Chadburton.com is as easy. Or you can text Rob to 33733. Do a voice text. Say, sorry, text Rob to 33733. See if it works. You're using an iPhone. I don't know what you do with an Android. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I think it's just Don't bad. use your hands while you're driving. Yeah, and if you do, don't sue Chadburton. You've just signed a waiver, and it can't be used against you in the court of law. So this is a headline that kind of made me change topics was, Three dead after California bank robbery gun battle. So basically, that's a headline, right? You start reading the story, and it's two bank robbers plus one hostage. There's hostage three hostages. Two, two got thrown out of the car, and the, the last one died because they were used as a shield. Yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? Like, to me, like, how quickly your life would change. Um, I know nothing about the victims. But let's just say he was a, a father, and he's never going to be able to earn income anymore. And that, you know... That um, widow, I mean, her her life will be changed dramatically. Again, again, a mother. Yeah, I've seen the one that passed is actually a forty year old mother of two or three. Okay, so yeah. all women. That's going to change the um, profile of that family's finances. And again, that's just you know a tragedy headline, but it's a financial profile that I look at and go, whoa. Um, anyway, anything you want to add to? The randomness that is headline news that tells you, go out and get life insurance. Go out and get disability insurance. Um, there's always some sort of angle like that in headlines, I would say. Yeah, now in retirement, it's about longevity insurance, ensuring that if you live past 100, which you could very easily do, are you going to have enough money? You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Every day here on KDOW AM 1220 Business Talk Radio. You can listen to a show from 1 to 2. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Forgiver en route.
visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Sachin Nadelli took over Microsoft. Stock's up 25%. I know sometimes we look at CEOs and go, man, he's making a lot of money. Um, But if your shares go up that much, is he worth it? You know, for what uh, a CEO is worth and or not, you know, shareholders sometimes vote and show you that they think they are. Sachin Nadelli seems to be cleaning up a lot of the messes left to him by the former CEO of the company, Steve Ballmer and the former CEO before him, um, Bill Gates, where they just they timed the product wrong. They just got flat-out product wrong. Um, they looked at the iPhone, didn't see competition. They looked at the cloud, didn't see competition. And uh, quietly, other people stepped up and uh, took it over. And IBM's relationship this week being announced with Apple, it, it's a slap in the face to the world of Microsoft and uh, Intel. Um the day and age of the computer being, you know, the dominant play in business, it's turning into iPads or tablets and uh, phones, you know, as far as computing goes. So, anyway, CFP Chad Burton's with me today. Uh, CFP Chad Burton. Um, much going on in the world of Wall Street. Recent record highs, lovely. Um, but then again, I don't really like it because that means, you know, every two weeks when my 401k clicks in, it's buying at a high. Um, I prefer that, you know, the market be down for a couple of years in a row, accumulate, accumulate, accumulate assets, and then it recovers, roars back 100%, and that's the greatest time to invest. But again, we're not getting the correction. Are you worried by that? Not really. I mean, you know, I've seen so many bubbles in the 22 years I've been in this business in August, and it, it seems like it's the same story all the time, whether it's, you know, what's going on overseas that should be affecting our market or where valuations are getting stretched. Um, you know, if, if there was a issue where we, we're having these stock market tops and there's no revenue or these bubbles that Janet Yellen was specifically talking about and biotech and social media valuations being stretched, there's still revenue growth in these companies. It's not like internet companies that had zero revenue. So can you have hard pullbacks? Yeah, and it's a matter of what type of investor are you? Well, how do you act when there is a pullback? Do you reevaluate, sell if the company's going to pot or buy more if you think it's still got the future? Um, if you react non-emotionally, you'll be paid well in the long run. But the market is positive 70% of the time, so we should be spending 70% of our lives at new highs. We just had such a peak to trough to, to back to peak that we haven't known what it's like to live in the world of new highs since 2007. So we forget. So I was speaking earlier this week with um, analysts from briefing.com, and one of the things that he brought up was the potential Patrick O'Hare that when there's a correction, the dividend aristocrats are going to be the hardest hit because they've been the safest amount. Like, you get both the stock world and you get the income world. Mm -hmm. And uh, when there is a correction, he thinks that that's an area that could uh, um, be a little bit more volatile than others. Yeah, I think because what could likely cause the next correction is a jump in interest rates. That's kind of rapid, more rapid than the market expects. Jenny Yellen said 2015 yesterday, late 2015. You know, it, it's so hard to explain to people what the Fed is controlling right now because they're dealing with the shorter-term interest rates in terms of letting rates rise. That's the overnight lending rate. What they're buying right now is the, you know, kind of the 7- to 10-year Treasury type of time frame. So that's helped keeping the rates low there. But raising rates is the overnight lending rate, which the banks – you know, the banks need overall rates to be higher. Um, 
so, I mean, th- that's why it's so difficult to explain. There's so many different types of interest rates, whether it's the overnight lending rate between banks, um, whether it's the 10-year re- tre- treasury, which really directly, more directly affects mortgages and things like that. And the housing industry is such a large part of the job recovery that, you know, they're, they're still going to control that. They're still doing stimulus. I want the Fed out of the market. I want things to normalize, get back to, to normal. Uh, because I don't like to see the Treasury's balance sheet expanding like it has, or I mean the Federal Reserve's balance sheet expanding like it has. Um, it, it's just how you get out of that over the long term is more of a concern to me than you know trying to support the job market in the short term. The ten-year Treasury's at two point four eight percent. Yeah, just we've watched it all morning long, continuing to tick down. So you're starting to see, and you know you saw this with okay, there's a currency issue in in. Emerging markets, countries that had too much debt, that money flew out of those markets and into the 10-year treasury. We're still the safe haven out there. So it's, you know, there's, there's more support to the bond market than, the, than the, just the treasury buying the bonds right now. Brandon, any chance to love those Rick Santelli clips from this week? Did you hear Rick Santelli freak out on CNBC? Yeah. What do you think? Speaking of bonds, Rick Santelli is kind of a... He watches the dollar and he watches bonds really closely for CNBC. Right. The bond market. I think he's the smartest guy on CNBC. He's the smartest guy on CNBC. But, he, but he's he, also, then he tends to have these just freak out moments. But he's also the most wrong when comparing it to what like he thought inflation was going to be out of control. He thought the dollar would be just fall and crash and uh, fall apart. Yeah. And uh, he's just been wrong. And they, they started calling him on it this week. It was kind of mean. Let's, let's play a clip or two. There is no piece of advice that you've given us. They need a better right. strategy than the Cubs. Wait well, till next year isn't the way to go. There come. is no piece of advice that you've given that's worked with. Not a single one. Oh, Paul, yeah, there is. Paul Richards, I'll give Not a single one, Rick. Can do her job or his job. Not a single one. On the higher interest rates never came. The inability of the U.S. to, to sell bonds never happened. The dollar Matt never crashed, Rick. There isn't a single one that's worked. <laughs> How does you guys get in the fist fight on airs? Well, well, I guess they're, they're separate states. Yeah, that's, that's, their, that's, that's one way. They're going to keep those two apart for sure. Until it comes to a bubble, then they'll probably do some sort of celebrity boxing match. What's interesting is Rich Santelli, like you said, is super smart. Yeah. But his call, sometimes it doesn't come to fruition when you want it to. He, he just thinks too deeply. And, and Steve Leisman, as an economist, probably is too, more, too much surface economist. I don't like him as an economist. So, I think he's very good. Yeah, and I, I always thought that those two actually liked each other. Yeah. And they were just getting paid to banter back and forth and argue. That clip showed these two cannot stand each other. Yeah. Like, this is a real animosity here. <laughs> That's going to play out. One of them's probably going to end up fired over this kind of stuff if it continues. Well, the way I, I, the reason I bring that out is, you know, if you watch CNBC, sometimes you could, like, well, that guy's smart. He, he says the market's due for a crash. Uh, Janet Yellen's leading us up to inflation and, like, I'm going to go buy gold. I'm going to go buy, like, yeah. um, don't listen to people on TV. Well, you know, Maria Bartiromo, that ended up at Fox Business News. She's kind of hidden from the world at this point. Well, you know, she thinks the ratings have continued to go up. And have they got over at Fox? Yeah, that's what she says. But I haven't uh, heard that. There, the issue is is that she, she, she spent so many years at CNBC. Yeah. And she was going to them saying, hey, we're catering to a crowd that's no longer there. We're catering to a day trading crowd. They're not listening. They're, she said they're, I was being forced to have these interviews that were five people on the screen at once and short-term thinking. And she said that's not what people were looking for anymore. So, and I don't think you know, I don't think the millennials are watching that stuff at all. That's fair. At all, they don't care. They don't trust what they see on those types of channels. 
going to be kind of interesting to see where media ends up, Chad, because right now Fox News and Fox Business and CNBC, they get a dollar per cable subscriber. Like money goes directly to them because people sign up for ESPN and digital packages on Comcast. And yeah. I think your kids won't have TVs. Well, no. The only reason why we have cable is because of, you know, I watch CNBC and Bloomberg and anything else you can find some other way. I mean, there's I cut, cut, cut cable because Bloomberg TV is online. Yeah, and we were just talking about you know the, that uh, the clip that's going around the eight minute clip of the guy trying to cancel his Comcast subscription. Um, and there's a there was an article today saying, hey, have just put a sling box on your friend's cable TV, and then you can watch cable and his cable on your computer. That's not quite legal, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, but there's a lot of ways to cut cut costs, and it, nothing infuriates me more than people complaining they don't have enough money to pay their bills or save for retirement. But you see them driving down the road in a new car smoking, or they've got the cable bill or the sweetest TV ever, or, you know, it's just, I don't want to take care of you because you made stupid decisions. It's sad. I see this every day. I know. Like, I get emails from people who are in their 30s, and they're, like, going to this concert, but I don't have money to save. Yeah. Um, I did have a great conversation in the gym late last night. And oh, God. What, I, I, no, these two younger people having a conversation, and it was great because one kid was saying, man, I'm just... Barely paying. They worked at the same spot, obviously. He's like, I'm, I'm not even. I don't have any money left over to save. He's like, man, you got to, got to take advantage of the match of the 401k. It's a, it's a match of six percent. You're not going to miss that money at all, because it's, it's not like you're losing six percent of your pay. You're only losing about four percent of your pay after taxes. And this kid was talking to the other kid to putting money in his 401k, and I was like, this is the best conversation I've ever heard. Two younger people having about money, because yeah. this guy probably just saved the other kid from. You know, having a retirement, maybe, and maybe you got you know, home. Hopefully, he'll do it. I think he will because it sounds like they work together. You know, one thing too to point out, and people that are going into retirement right now, sure, they, you know, people are trying to make that decision: do I pay off my mortgage or not? We've talked about this a lot lately because this is in the last couple of years. It's been, uh, you know, when when bond rates were higher and things like that. No, no, just take the money that you would use to pay off your mortgage, invest it in bonds. The income from the bonds is higher than, much higher than the interest rate on your mortgage. So, you know, don't pay it off. But lately, it's been different. The bond market, I think, will be a very low interest rate environment for the next five years compared to historical returns. So you have to make that decision. So if you're close to retirement, you've got to make the decision, do you keep your mortgage or should you refinance it? And you want to make that decision prior to not having a paycheck anymore. Because the process that people have to go through if they retire you might have a lot of assets, but it's a pain in the butt to get the loan done if you don't have that paycheck because underwriters just don't understand it and they ask you for all these different issues. And it's a pain. So start making plans on your real estate prior to retirement. You can learn about this and more tonight. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. You can sign up for the event with me and CFB Chad Burton at the Toll House Hotel, Los Gatos, California. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll be back. Talking more financial planning issues. If you want to get your calls on the show, it's 800 
listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and IR Radio Station. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. Sitting in with me today, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar tonight. Anything that you want to highlight? It's kind of new. You're pretty seasoned at doing it now as far as the topic goes. Yeah, I mean, so the, the difference between that and the wealth management event that we typically do, this is really more of a 10 key points, and we get into the basics of each of those points. And if you really don't know about it, if you don't have a detailed plan in each of these different areas, you haven't done enough for retirement. Um, so talk a bit about tax-efficient investing. Um, then if you ever wanted to do a follow-up on a Saturday, do it, we'd do a much more in-depth version of it. Um, but these are 10 key points that you really need to know about. Um, and the biggest one I think right now is how to set up your portfolio. Um, how do you rebalance it? I mean, now is a perfect time that you, when you go through an up market to be rebalancing your portfolio. If you do that, what types of bonds do you put it back into? Do you put it back into cash? What do you do with your dividends and interest? And then how do you get through the next correction? Did you make it through this one okay? If not, knowing what you did wrong and not ever doing it again. So, you know, if you're emotionally investing, if you're not selling, if you're not peeling the gains, taking a little house money off the table. I think that's realistic. Uh, I think learning, most, from, learning from your mistakes. Um, no, I mean, from my experience, the, most people have a very short-term investment memory. Sure. Very, very short-term. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of the real estate market right now. You know, you hear these people say, oh, I'm getting this great income. I'm getting $5,000 a month on my on my rental property. Yet they could turn around and sell it for $2.5 right now. So really in terms of their net income on that property, it's like 2 or 3%, which is not very attractive to me when it comes to paid-off real estate. It's a horrible income on paid-off real estate. Um, you had that same type of investment in other parts of the country. It would be a lot higher yield. Which is kind of interesting to note, too. It's paid off, so it's losing the value of the dollar. So it's losing to inflation. Yes. Unless it's the appreciation of the house is faster than inflation, it's, it's not a good idea. And how much more wage inflation can we have in this area? Yeah. <laughs> That's always the question. And That's think, why you get these seven to ten year cycles in the Bay Area. Something that I want people to also be cautious on is, like, I was trying to think about Cisco and Intel. It's just like, if you work there, you're kind of old. You're no longer cool. Mm-hmm. The cool people are already starting to leave Facebook. So they're going on to the next thing as far as uh, where the money's going. So um, it's worthy of note. People like to work. People like to live close to work. And uh, I don't know if I'd be buying at Cisco because, like, today with Microsoft, 18,000 job cuts. Some real estate value is going to go down where the primary chunk of those people are, right? So yep. There's going to be some more sellers, per se. Red, Redmond, Washington. Well, <laughs> where, where are the job cuts? I haven't read far enough into that 18,000. That's pretty big. Yeah. Half of, half of, it's only 5% of Microsoft's old workforce. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft's workforce is like 120,000. It's pretty huge. Yeah. And, and some of it's going to be through attrition, I'm sure, where they're going to do, you know, voluntary re- early retirement packages and, and things like that, which is it's a big decision for people. Sometimes you get a little bump in your 401k or, or income and you got to do the math and say, how much, you know, does it pay me to stay for five years or does it pay me to take this package? And that's some careful analysis. What did you think about yesterday, um, the Obama administration, Jack Lew, I believe, um, trying to say that companies leaving the United States to lower their tax bills, we're going to go after as far as corporate um, uh, inversion. Inversion. Right. Yeah. yeah. Medtronic is doing that with Covidian right now, where they're basically going to move the 
And this is what's making international investing so hard, too, because you look at these companies and, oh, it's it's an overseas company, but it's really a U.S.-based company that just happens to yeah. be incorporated overseas to avoid the tax. It's it's a push that we need an overhaul in this tax system drastically. And this this will continue to happen. And guess what? It's the company's job to do this. As a publicly traded company, their job is to save as much money as they can and maximize shareholder profits. That's their that's what they have to do. And so unless the government get, I mean, and Janet Yellen was talking about this, that the fiscal policy has been a huge drag on our economy. Yeah. It's a massive drag. Because and it's not going to get changed together. anytime soon. I mean, it does, it, from hearing the Obama administration, they're mad at the companies. Instead of working with the companies, they're like, we're not going to let these shenanigans continue to go on. And a lot of these deals, like, you know, the Medtronic Covidian, it could completely fall apart if, like, um, Sanctions come back against companies. There's like walkaways with no poison pills. There's no, you know, some some of these mergers will just not happen. Right. It's pretty blatant. You know, 50 major companies have done this now under mm-hmm. the Obama administration. Like, we got Apple's got 50, what, something like 50 billion dollars overseas profits, but they're just keeping over there. And if we come up with a more favorable system, that, again, I've said this a million times, that if we get a better tax code in this country, that could extend this bull market for many, many years many years to have that money flow back into the U.S. and create the jobs here. Um, it could stimulate M&A, small cap growth, investment. You know, I mean, it's our fiscal policy in this country is a total drag. And part of it is because nobody trusts the government to say, oh, yeah, we'll just bring the profit back and give you all the money because you do such a great job with it. So here's a horror story. A Boeing 777 Malaysian Airlines crashed in Ukraine this morning. Um, it appears to have been shot down by rebels in Russia. Yeah. That is a nightmare of a story. Yeah. Um, uh, I hate seeing that right now, Rob, since my 14-year-old is going to visit my dad in Ecuador. <laughs> He's flying international by himself. Like, it looks like the rebels are, looks like the rebels are uh, moving their bases now to Ecuador. <laughs> From Ukraine to Ecuador. It's a, it's a common move. Yes, that happens on a regular basis. Yes, it's, it's just a hop, skip, and jump. Intercontinental jump <laughs> by the sophisticated rebels. Yeah. With that said, uh, tonight the event. Tease it for us one last time. Yeah, it's it's an issue of, you know, do you have enough in retirement? How do you calculate the number? Once you have the number, how do you calculate what the tax bill is going to be on top of that? How do you draw from all these different accounts? You got four hundred one ks and IRAs haven't been taxed yet. You got stock that's low basis or high basis. Creating what the right number is works all the way into your asset allocation. How much safe money you should have, balanced portfolio, dividend achiever stocks, and the right types of bonds in this environment. That's what we're going to talk about. So I'll be there. CFP Chad Bertrand will be there. Financial planners will be there. If you want a regular copy of your portfolio, that's something that you can start the process of seeing, do you have enough for your age and where you're at? Are you ahead? Are you behind? It's always an educational event. All questions will be answered by a question card. Um, so come on out. Tonight, Toll House Hotel, Los Gatos, California, 639. Still a couple more seats. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can find Chad Burton at vfocusfinancial.com. Are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network. This station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 